0: what's the story behind the story we'll find out on dropping in our guests are today's original thinkers conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on we bring it all to the table diverse perspectives controversy loving and singular voices magically stories reveal the common threads that link us experience the joys the fist pumps the detours and the hard won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey.
1: Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. Just when we thought it was safe to go back in the water, here we are back in the pandemic. If it seems like your life is on pause as you grieve what no longer exists and you're scrambling to find a path forward, try reading this book, Making Art in the Middle of Madness A Guide. For waking, up for, for waking up from your fear trance so you can create like the world needs you to, because it does. By our guest, Holly Shaw. She deals with feeling stuck in our attempts to make art or perform in these times of pandemic, environmental, and political madness. Listeners to Voice America will recognize Holly from her podcast, Performers and Creators Lab, which covers topics like sex and creativity or shamanic performance techniques, or how to overcome stage fright, creative blocks, and promote yourself as an artist. She works with the idea that a creative mind, open to its own genius, has the power to change the world. Holly's first book, The Creative Formula, Compose, Choreograph, and Capture Your Masterpiece, has become an Amazon bestseller and is a must-read for breaking through. Welcome, Holly. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Diane. I'm so excited to be here. What a lovely intro. Yeah, well, you're welcome, and um, (laughs) if it sounds like we're having a telephone conversation, we are. Um, where are Where are you calling from?
2: Oh, right now I'm in Emeryville, California. I actually live in Oakland, California, but I have an office here in
1: Emeryville, so...
2: Yeah, okay. Bay Area baby. <laughs> that's
1: okay. Well, that's very cool. I'm I'm talking to you from near Zurich in Switzerland, and um, so that's why we're having these uh, technical glitches. But I across the um, airwaves, great to have you with us. So to dive right in, um, far be it for me to say, with all the accolades and descriptions of you, Holly, I wonder what of these. Um, labels if you will or descriptors of who you are that you identify with how you would ad- introduce yourself or describe yourself as
2: well i have lately i've been dropping a lot of uh, a lot of the descriptors right cuz we get titles as we as we go through life and we, especially as we do more and more things, it's kind of like they pile on. <laughs> it's like, who are you to any one person? And I just call myself a professional muse. At this point, you know, whether I'm being an artist or whether I'm coaching or doing hypnotherapy with a person or, um, I'm on stage, you know, doing stand up comedy or producing a show, every which way I kind of just feel like my entire life, it kind of, you can sum it up as, I get paid to be inspiring. I get paid to sort of, um, you know, to bring that out in people and everyone and all the situations and be provocative. So, I think provocateur, professional muse, you know, it's kind of the way
1: my life has panned out. Well, I think that um, when you talk about inviting the muse as opposed to waiting for the muse, it's great that people can invite you into their lives because then you're there and you can be a provocateur. Uh the thing that was interesting to me in reading both your books is that you can talk about it as a creative project, but then life itself is a creative project. And your books really helped me in terms of just unlocking blocks that I had about seeing myself, seeing people as they are. Uh, so I, I think it's really interesting that how creativity is some kind of metaphor. To life, and I wondered if you had handy at your disposal uh, the handy-dandy definition mm-hmm. of creativity and what how you define it. <laughs> oh, that's a
2: great question. Um, I wish you'd like. I wish I was like tranced out in answering that question. I'll do my <laughs> best. Let me drop in here. Um, creativity is uh, is is energy flowing through you. Like, I feel like it's, it's not something that you can catch and hold and look at. It's kind of like I'm just seeing in my mind's eye like a fish running through the water, you know, and you, you try to catch it in your hands. Or you try to catch the, when you're a child and you see the water sparkling and you try to put, cup your hands around it and capture it, right? And it just flows through your fingers. And I feel like that's creativity. We can jump in. We can swim with it. We can do things in it, with it. Um, but it's it's an energy. It's, a, it's something we plug into it's. There's no limit to it, and um, it's. I think it's the most supportive
1: force uh, we have available to us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting that you talk about it as an energy, like that it's a current that's flowing through us, and obviously it's connecting us in a way, if we allow it, um, and I think that that's really uh, part of your books as well, is this idea that we we can connect to one another uh, through this generative urge that we have to communicate and kind of share with one another and to connect with one another, which gets back to the pandemic. And how is it much more important now, and how many more ways are there to do it? Right. Well, I do feel like um, connection is vitally
2: important to, you know, kind of, uh, 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 overcoming fear because, like I discussed, you know, the fear of the other. There's this, this, it's very easy for us to, you know, as soon as we get afraid, start looking at everybody with suspicious eyes and, and kind of let that overtake us. Um, and especially now, um, if we're disconnected physically, um, we're disconnected from touch, uh, in many ways, you know it's uh it's damaging, it's just something that we have to deal with, but we have to find ways through you know I see a lot of people doing outdoor performances, you know like my show, The comedy Edge, we do it outdoors so that you know there's less of a risk of transmission, and we keep people distant, but we still are together, right, or you have um people online more and more you know doing zoom parties, doing zoom shows, doing Uh, different things online, still connecting. And I know that for a lot of people, that's been really vital right now. Like, Mm -hmm.
1: it's it's really vital, right? Mm -hmm. I think also, you know, you're alluding to something, you know, in our spirit. uh, This nourishes us in a way that when we don't have it, I mean, look at what isolation does to people or even solitary confinement. Um, It's clear that we're social beings, that we're not meant to be having these disconnects. And it's interesting to me, um, if not totally inspirational, to watch people like you who are really, you know, finding the cracks, finding the way through to, in order to enable people to maintain their connectivity uh, and to express themselves in times where, you know, maybe flexibility is, is much more key um, to, to be able <laughs> to catch this fish that's, it's, as it's running along. I, I wondered mm-hmm. if you talked to I wondered if you talked to us a bit. You know, as a creative, I think there are a lot of myths around it. I think there's also the myth of even aloofness with creatives when in fact creatives are really trying to just get in touch to express to one another. Um, but you do run counter to stereotype, or would you say? Because you seem very logical to me. Your approach is very analytical. You have the ability to synthesize lots of um, elements. And I wonder if you, um, you know, buy into the idea of binary speculations. Are you left brain, right brain, both? How do you identify <laughs> yourself there? yeah. Well, I I
2: uh, I have to say, for a long time, maybe like twelve years ago, I thought, "Oh, everyone can be as productive as me." <laughs> um, like, you know, I just had this idea, like I can do it. You could do it too. And and over the last ten years, I, I I do think people can do it. I do think there's different approaches. Like, I think you have to take into um, the neurological. Uh, differences, alerting uh, differences, um, you know, the learning impairments that some people have and that we're just now starting to understand with ADHD and that kind of thing. And so I just want to start by saying I, I feel like I'm neurologically blessed, right? Because I mm-hmm. can hold both the abundance, uh, the the creativity that, you know, where the creativity flows and flows and flows, but I also um, am able to articulate, narrow it, bring it in finish it produce it you know and I think those two things are not impossible to hold at the same time but but uh you don't find you know it as often in in um in artists it's true we sometimes need someone to help us finish a project (laughs) or we need some you know um so so I do want to say that like um Thank you for seeing that and i and I just think that I'm very lucky um in the way that I'm wired in my brain that I'm able to mm-hmm. kind of hold this space of imagination um and also uh, I'm able to dissect things and you know draw them down into something else. so I guess I just don't want to be like i, I don't want to be i don't want to say left or right brain I don't want to be
1: elected <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a non-binary for sure. It might even be a term that we haven't yet developed of um, you know just the sort of polymath kind of brain, but also I think an, an observer's brain because you you have the capacity to educate. So while you're holding all of this uh, and able to see so many things and even be participatory or empathic toward it you're also, uh, you know, a keen observer so that you're able to step outside and say, here's what's going on to someone um, who might be blocked. And, you know, that's that's also an element. I really do think of you as an educator, as an enlightenment person. Um, and I I think that that's yeah. also the key to, to reading your books and why we can, you know, kind of get so much out of it in terms of, you know, lessons or just sort of, objectivity about ourselves, I wonder about this time of survival, because you mentioned the word fear, and I wondered if there's any upside to it. I wondered if our fear or even our sense that maybe we're looking at some kind of mortality here, we've got climate change, we've got pandemics, we've got things that threaten our survival, Mm -hmm. does that deadline pressure kind of prompt creativity? Does it reduce the risk if people just say, okay... If not now, when? And you know, what the hell? Why don't I just go for it?
2: Yeah, I I want to answer that question about fear, but can I double back about something that I just feel sure. like needs to be said? <laughs> sure. Um, I do want to say that, like, I do think that that these skills can be developed. Right. I do think that we all we, we have the capability to develop our brains the way they are. I think through the activities that I've done in my life, the different experiences I've had, the things I've pushed myself to do, I've developed these skills. So I don't you know, I'm not trying to say like I'm just great and <laughs> you can't do like I want people to understand that, um I think we work on ourselves and the work is it doesn't have to be boring. It can be fun. And so, you know, that's why I like to give a lot of exercises in my book because it's not just that I just made this exercise up. This is the kind of stuff I've done in order to, to get where I am and to have the kind of, um, you know, abilities to, to create and finish things. So I just wanted to say that. Now, looping mm-hmm. back... Can you? What's your question
1: about? Oh no, no. Uh, let's it? let's let's stay there. Let's just stay with okay. that for a minute because okay. it's, it's almost it's almost like um, you know you're you caught the fish going by the creativity you caught it and were able to swim with it and you wanna you wanna have other people be able to do that because you're not this special person you're one of the entire entire um, population. Uh, who on Earth, yeah. on planet Earth, that can access that? And so, you know, yeah. I think that what you're saying is is kind of an act of, of generosity, but also one of humility by saying, you know, I can do it, and so can you. And and kind of here's how. Um, and maybe it's about creating new neural pathways. Um, do you feel as though your exercises help people do that? Have they helped you do that? And what's the real role of movement in that, physical movement? Because I know you're also a dancer.
2: I was just going to say that. You're reading my mind, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the physical movement. I was just thinking that, well, it's, it really can't, you know, dancing, moving my body is a huge, was a huge part of my uh, development. It's a huge part, I think, of people's, Ability to move on from things. I did a lot of work with um, Anna Halprin. She just passed away this year. Um, her daughter, Daria Halprin, and um, all the great teachers at Timalpa Institute. So I learned a lot from... They worked very somatically um, with the body, do, doing an art life process. Um, and then numerous other teachers, choreographers I would work with um, that sort of helped me helped me, showed me how I can use my body to discover what's going on. I mean, that's first and foremost. It's fascinating if you just take a moment to listen and are taught how to listen to what your body is saying. Um, It's fascinating, like it's just, it's fascinating what it will tell you and then Mm -hmm. with that you can change your story and it's so much more powerful because you're changing it from a cellular level and I I feel like, um, you know, dance over the years has really saved me, it's helped me move things through, yeah, for sure.
1: And does it also incorporate more of the senses as well? I mean, it's 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 the movement of the body. So movement, mm-hmm. it is a, you know, movement is movement. It means that you can't really be mm-hmm. static. Um, it's a di- it's yeah. a dynamic force. But you're also having right like by sight, needing to know where you are in relation to another dancer by you know a sense of you know mm-hmm. smell even you know, your heightened senses because you are moving, uh, because it seems like art, you know, it it does, the more it involves the senses, visually, tactilely, that, you know, the more it involves the senses, the more memorable it is or the more embedded it is in our experience. Do you think that's true? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And I would say all creativity flows from that, you know, which is why sometimes I have a hard time listening to quote unquote experts on creativity that like are coming at it from a very logical standpoint. Well, if you mix this sauce with that sauce or, you know, and that's fun. That's a game. That's a puzzle we can play and we can look at creativity that way. But what the big piece they're missing is the sensual ecstatic body. You know, we are spirits in a body. We are light in a bottle. We are Mm -hmm. uh, lightning captured in a bottle. And, uh, and and to to skim over that, or to it's just disingenuous, and it just it doesn't give people all the the whole picture and the whole the whole
1: um, the whole tool set and while you're exploring all of these mediums, uh, you know when you are effective at doing what you're doing, whether it's stand up, whether it's film, whether it's drama on a stage, I mean people have a visceral reaction right like it is a kind of mm-hmm. physical communication when we laugh or when we're gripped by tension or suspense. and we get oh my God, does that guy not see that that person is going to come behind him and strangle her? Uh, <laughs> you know, like these, these kinds mm-hmm. of moments, they produce a physical reaction in the audience or the receptor or the reader or the listener as well. So we're really—I can—you know—we're kind of fumbling around trying to exchange energy. I mean, it seems like it's a sort of energy exchange, uh, if nothing else, Uh, right? I mean, you're kind of—and you're opening the way, the path for people to unblock those energy paths and to be able to communicate with ourselves more freely as well as with others. And, um, you know, I, I wondered, you know, did you draw on a lot of personal experience? How did you come by the sort of wealth of experience that you did, you know, in your second book with the archetypes and and these ways of preserving uh, our spirit, these defenses against our spirit? How did you come by this learning was there a lot of book learning? Was it experiential? Was it a combination of all of the above? I feel like um, uh, I would say
2: definitely experiential. You know, obviously when you spend hours on stage or hours creating. Um, and, uh, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I think anybody listening, whether you're an accountant or you're a content manager or you're like, uh, I don't know, other jobs out there, <laughs> a scientist or, you know, there's creative thinking in everything. So just r- listener, don't exclude yourself. Um, but as you are going throughout your life and problem solving and, and being creative, you know, you're, um, you're picking up this, uh, these experiences and these skills. And I lost my thread. <laughs> it's um, okay. What were we talking about? Yeah, like, I think, what
1: were we talking about? It's a sort of a boring question, about you know, how did you get to be the way you are? <laughs> how did you get to be oh. so um, diverse in your knowledge? And did you, you know, because okay. it seemed as though even though you write in a very conversational way that's very accessible and easily digested, that you really have a vast knowledge of, you know, psychology, neuroscience, you know, lots of mind-body situations. And I just wondered how you came by that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me get
2: to the point here. So, um, you know, I'm a love of uh, philosophy I'm in the, I, I'm in love with many different, you know, I love thinking. I love thoughts. I love philosophy. I love, uh, critical thought. I'm, you know, I've always been like a, a nerd when it comes to trance and all these things. And I'm a hypnotherapist. And so observing people, my clients has been a huge help in uh, coming to some of these discoveries. But you mentioned the shadow cells and that's actually kind of an interesting story because they knocked on my door. Um, mm-hmm. I was in the middle of, yeah, I was in the middle. They kind of showed up. I was in the middle of writing, um, you know, trying to drill down and get this book finished. And I was sitting there and I was like, something was nudging at me. And I'm writing about how to overcome your fear, you know, and it just felt very black and white. Like, like you have fear we're going to wrestle it out and kill it. You know, just very, um, I just felt like a little bullshitting, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like there was a piece missing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I got up, I went to the kitchen, and I never drink alcohol when I'm trying to really create because alcohol usually shuts off my source and like opens me to something else. But um, this particular day, I was like, you know, I just feel like a shot of tequila. So I took a shot mm-hmm. of tequila. I went back in and I sat down. And all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, because like there's a shadow side. I feel like, and I've always felt, you know, I did a whole choreography called the outlaw. I've always um, connected with the outlaw. I'm like, yeah, that's one archetype.
1: What? Me too. <laughs> See there's three. Oh, mm-hmm. you're an outlaw as well? Oh, definitely. Oh, totally. And the whole other, and you know, you hit it on the head. I was jumping up and down and I thought, wow. And also you feel as though you're part of all of them. I'm not going to interrupt you. Go ahead.
2: No, yeah. I mean, they're all, like, we all have a little bit of each of them, especially, you know, artists especially will, or any creative is going to connect with all three, but there's Mm -hmm. probably going to be one that's you're going to be the loudest. So anyway, I sat down, and I just started writing from the voice of these shadow cells. It just all started coming to me, and I sat there for another two hours and banged out, like, the the qualities of each. Yeah. I mean, I basically wrote those three chapters on the different shadows. Um, just, I mean, telling people it's that. It's, it's well, It's, it's risky, because then it's, it just sounds like I'm making shit up. And I, maybe I am, (laughs) but I feel like it's helpful. If I am,
1: it's helpful. (laughs) Right. And I mean, the other thing is too, like it resonates, right? So when you hear it, you know, it's true because it it aligns with our experience. It would be bullshit or it might be like the tequila talking. If, I mean, I'm all for spirit to spirit. Sometimes it, it does dislodge something. Um, It does make a portal to something, as you say, sometimes something undesirable. But, you know, I think, you know, the point is what you wrote lands with us. And that's why we know, you know, these are things like, you know, intuitions that intuitively we know that you're right. You are landing on something that, you know, pre-exists almost and that you've just described Mm -hmm. it. And it's not linear. It's you know, in our psyches and you're talking to us like in our innermost, like, whoa, how did she do that? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a connecting at a really deep level, which is, you know, it's pretty phenomenal because we're not used to coming, having that come off the page. Um, and I guess I think now that we are, um, you know, separated and having this kind of, you know, isolation again, it just feels so good for somebody to see you and, you know, recognize you. Mm-hmm. It's like, Holly Shaw, she knows me. This is, like, so cool. Um, yeah, I really <laughs> would recommend anyone to get a ha- get their hands on the Madness book, um, Making Art in the Time of Madness. And we are coming up to the time of a break, but we will come back and continue talking with you, Holly, about... The one that got away, we, we were talking about the deadline pressure or the sense of, is creativity intensified because we have to try to make meaning out of a chaotic time? You can give us a yes or no answer. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I mean, do you think in general that's true? Is creativity essential because... Wait, what? Is it intensified? Is it intensified because... When things are chaotic, we're trying to make meaning out of things. Oh, oh,
2: I, Diane, that is a gem. That is your gem. I would say. Okay,
1: hell yes. Well,
2: okay, I great.
1: <laughs> More on that in a minute. <laughs> Don't go away. We'll be right back after the commercial break on dropping in with Holly Shaw.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz, while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit BooksForward.com or send us an email at info at BooksForward.com. A JKS communications company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at diane That's diane at diane-dewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Well, is Making Art in the Middle of Madness, a guide for waking up from your fear trance so that you can create like the world needs you to, because it does, resonates with you, And I would say, also, just making a life in the middle of madness. The author is Holly Shaw, our guest. And I love Holly, that you you know, you've pointed out so many levels, you know, in which we're experiencing chaos and confusion, the pandemic, the environment, political upheaval, you know, and and sort of unaccountable or unknown forces politically that we didn't know about that we're contending with. You know, I wondered if you thought that, by force of necessity, uh, necessity being the mother of invention, that we've, we've gotten mm-hmm. more creative because the old solutions, the old ways of thinking aren't working anymore. We've got to make sense out of the mess we've gotten ourselves into. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We have to rise
2: to the challenge, right? These are times in which uh, it would be very easy. I mean, uh, in a lot of ways... Many people across the country or across the world are in fear, um, you know, living in a world almost like I say in the book of a fear trance. You know, me- media listening to um, what's going on can create a, sort of a fear bubble that you act out of. Now, I do want to sort of say at the same time. Um, you know a little dose of fear is necessary like we could take precautions we can look at science and know that there's things that we need to do to um keep each other healthy and safe i don't want to go too political here but you know like i, I don't want to say put your put your head in the sand and you know but i'm saying we're in a lot of fear like people live out of fear fear of losing their freedom and um mm-hmm. and and it's, we're really being called to Look around that fear, calm our own nervous system, be able to see past it, be able to see what isn't there yet, right? Because there's things right in front of our face that can be very hard and challenging to deal with. But the creative person, whether you're an artist or not, you know, whether you're making your living doing something else, you as a creative being, we're all creative and you're Tasked with looking at what's not there yet and looking for a new story and trying to tell that, even with the old one going on, is challenging, but that is the exciting um, task we have and, and time that we're in.
1: Mm-hmm. We're called to it, we gotta do it. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, salute to that. I mean, you know, if you take this fear. Uh, in your book, uh, the second book in particular, where I feel as though you take the fear and you externalize it, um, you know, you you isolate it and you say, uh, "I'm going to look at this. I'm going to really, you know, drill down now, and I'm going to identify what the fear is. Is it the fear of the other? Is it fear of not enough? Um, is it fear of the? Wait, the third one is." Um, uh, not Fear of the
2: unknown. Not enough.
1: Unknown. <laughs> yes. And how much does that weigh on us now? I think what you're saying is so brilliant about we have to calm our nervous systems. We have to, to identify the fears that we're experiencing and become our own, yeah, Dr. Heal Thyself. You know, we have to uh, take these tools into ourselves. That's why I really think your books are so useful, even if you're not, quote, a creative, because we're all really called right now to, to do this with ourselves. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, when you're working with people, does that come to the fore even more when you're talking with talent, for example, is a lot of it just getting past anxiety, the anxiety levels that people are experiencing?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I would say, um, you know, that's that's why I do love so much working with actors in L.A. and, you know, people that are on stage a lot because um, you have to figure out how to get past the anxiety. Like, you have to learn how to use that, right? And they're put in situations, audition after audition, of being tried and, you know, being on, on speculation and being judged and, um, and so they have to figure out a way to use that energy and rise to the occasion. And, you know, just saying this, I'm realizing we all, we are all being judged all the time. We're all being valued and, and speculated on. And I think many people feel that without being able to put a name to it. And it, it can be very challenging, just regular life um, and disheartening and, uh, You know, it can be tough to rise above that and rise above that anxiety and fear. Um, But it's not impossible. And I guess, you know, I want what everybody wants. I want people to feel, like, happier and more at peace and in touch with that, that empowered with their creativity. Absolutely.
1: Um, I love the word, I love and hate, there's a love-hate relationship with the word performance because, of course... It is what we do, um, even when we just go and, you know, uh, present an idea or have a conversation about something. But at the same time, performance has gotten us very caught up, right, with the judge, the judgment, um, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the witness, uh, you know, also um, terms that you (laughs) identified in your your book. I want to just touch right now, because we've just experienced it. The mental health block that Simone Biles experienced because performance, perfection, it does have a corrosive, debilitating effect if you have to perform time and time and again. There's something physiologically that, you know, she's not in control of. None of us are in control of that in order to bring back spirit, you know, how do we go about? Renourishing spirit. I mean, how do you help people reconnect with themselves that way so that, for example, the, um, you know, the burnout uh, or the, you know, the body is unwilling to go again to perform, how do we reconnect to to re-nurture ourselves?
2: Mm, Well, I love that you brought up Simone Biles, right? Because I just feel like, Wow, like she put, she could put herself in such dangerous situation if she just pushed through, right? And we've seen examples of that. And the fact that she was so willing, she was so connected with herself and able to convey that connection and trust in herself to the people like to her coaches or, you know, other people that could pressure her, very easily pressure her. But she was connected to self first. And she was in touch with like, I'm not up to speed with this, and it's not like being up to speed for any one of us. Most of us cannot relate to that, right? If we're not up to speed, um, nothing bad. We're not we're not flinging our bodies, you know, <laughs> like 20 <laughs> feet in the air. I, I don't know how far it is. Um, so most of us can't relate. Like if we're not if we're disconnected, oh, you know, we spill our coffee and shoot. We have a little bad day and get a stain on the carpet, you know, or we get a little fender bender, which that's about as dangerous as most of us get. She's out of alignment and, you know, something really bad can happen. And I love that. I'm so proud of her. I feel like that's the new potential. She's like, hey, I've got gold medals. You know, I know what this takes. I can do. I don't have nothing to prove and I'm not going to try to prove it at the expense of myself. And I'm, I'm just so I couldn't be more proud you know, with the entire world sort of pressuring her. Um, We don't know what that's like to have to gone through everything she's had to go through this year. Um, And so I just bless her heart, you know, just bless her heart. I don't know why I said that, but just, I just love her. And I'm just, I'm just so proud. And um, that we have these kind of heroes right now, you know, that our heroes are saying, hang on, I'm human, you know, and uh, that, that to me is a new potential the new potential. But I don't I think, think that was your question.
1: <laughs> oh, it totally was my question. It totally was. And, you know, we can never tell okay. what my questions are anyway. They're so, you know, loosely, <laughs> forget it. You know, they're very nebulous. So um, whatever way you answer it is the answer to the question. But, you know, the thing is, too, I, I really think the new potential is the right way of describing it. And I think, you know, I wonder if you agree. I think it connects to the divine feminine. I think it connects to an unwillingness to keep pushing through, you know, at our own, to our own, at our own expense, I mean, look at what we're doing, you know, even collectively, we've pushed through so much that now we've got Mother Earth pushing back, you know, we, we can't afford to overextend this way, and you're right, you know, she, she would be twirling through the air, she couldn't, she had no relational orientation to where she was in the air, was the experience she was having. But, you know, there's no right. more, like, masculine, okay, but you should go for it. You know, you should right. do this for others. And I really wonder if that, like, sort of interiority, that interior voice, letting that interior voice shine out, um, I wonder if you feel that that's something of the Divine Feminine.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up for sure. The Divine Feminine is speaking through her. It's moving through her. And, like, what a blessing. All, you know, all the the um, Olympic athletes that have been um, just doing different things this year. The Divine Feminine is speaking through, oh, my gosh, I just posted a picture. Um, who is it that knitted a,
1: a sweater? Oh, the swimmer. I oh, can remember swimmer, his name. The- Great, from Great Britain. I mean, fabulous.
2: Right? And so the Divine feminine is speaking through him as well. And and I guess when I I would just say, um, I would define that you should, let's push, let's do it no matter what. It's not, it's even not masculinity, right? Because I don't want the men listening to feel like there's something wrong with masculinity. I feel like that, that, that urge or what we've been taught is toxic ma- masculinity, right? So I, I would prefer to, like, let's really split that out and define that that's, that's not the divine masculine. That's an old toxic masculinity. And I feel like in today's world, we really need to approach things in a new way, in a different way, um, Kind of like how I was saying the fear of the other, the fear of the unknown, the fear of not enough. These fears got us, you know, through like, you know, hard times. They they helped us survive in many ways, but mm-hmm. now the world is really, it can't can't hold us anymore with those fears. Like we've grown too big and <laughs> too populous. And it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, the earth it can't hold it. The earth can't handle it. And so it's like, okay, you know, these fears are kind of eating away at us now. Like they may have helped us survive a cold winter in a cave at one point, but um, they're not working. And same thing with toxic masculinity. It's not working mm-hmm. anymore.
1: Yeah, it's obsolete. It's in a darn way. It's 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 going extinct. Um, you know, I think, too, that, uh, the non binary terminology for masculinity and femininity. I think, yeah, we are really seeing, um, you know, it's the, the barrier to that breaking down in, in the sense of you see a lot of, you know, men are saying, what? You know, the, the, the circus of, of corporate life, like no more. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to have my dream, no matter if it makes me smaller mm. in the world. You know, I'll be connected with myself for what I'm doing, or I'm going to take care. I'm going to help with raising the child. I'm going to balance my life differently. I'm going to calibrate things so that I actually have time for things and um and for friendships and for family. You know, I I think there is a kind of massive recalibration going on. Um, I, I wondered about you know along those lines and and sort of you know changing the flow a bit. You know you you've worked with all kinds of stars in Hollywood and um you know you 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 yourself had your own agent when you were I think something like 16 years old and you've been performing since you know that's how you began you you began by mm-hmm. by performing and I wonder first of all did you ever equate yourself worst with performing um do you think that the whole sense of being a star is going to be changing in terms of what the definition of it is, even. I don't even know how they're related, but try it out. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, I do think that, of course, you know, my, my path as a performer... Like, when I was little, I... I I would goof off or be silly or start dancing when there was a band. I remember my dad being very young and there was a jazz band um at the mall or something. I'm trying to remember, but uh I was with my dad and I just started dancing. I just let my body kind of just start moving to it and uh people started watching, you know? And I just felt like like there was a light that I was feeling. And I wanted to share it. And it's always been kind of as simple as that. Like, you know, there's a light that runs through us and performance is one way um, that kind of chose me to to share it. Um, I do think probably there's some sticky things in there about my self-worth and performing. Uh, you'll see that, you know, I was a professional dancer for 15 years and then I had a knee injury and I had to find another way to let the light, you know, I still love to dance, but um, I can't, you know, you can't do the same things forever. And uh, so now I do stand-up comedy, and which I've always wanted to try. So mm-hmm. it's like, for sure, you know, like I don't really see myself ever not performing in some way. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, one of my mentors and coaches was kind of like uh, tried to sort of shake the performer out of me. I'm like, oh, it's pretty deep. <laughs> Try to get me to just be and to be worthy, to feel worthy without performing. Um, you yeah, know, that's my work. That's kind of personal, but
1: <laughs> yeah, we all have our work to well, do. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still feel as though at, at the heart of it, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, people responded to you. So, so there was an exchange, you know. There was an exchange of energy. There was an appreciation of you, and there was a way in which you were communicating something, Holly. You know, expressing something that was received. You know, that that's that two-part yeah. thing. You know, that you, you know, performance does get a bad knock, then you know, for being objectification or whatever. But you know, at the heart of it, it's communicating. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. your desire to want to go out and communicate, that's hardly, um, you know, that's something that is very worthy. We hope you're going to continue to communicate, which brings me to the question <laughs> of how about what's your, you know, well, first of all, I, I can't leave off without talking to you about hypnotherapy. And, and <laughs> you know, you strike me as someone who, for all of your great accomplishments, don't take yourself terribly, terribly seriously. Does hypnotherapy and, you know, even comedy, does it work? Because it relaxes us, because it takes the tense, the charge of tension out of us, that we don't view ourselves so seriously and the subconscious can kind of come out.
2: Mm, I like that. Yeah. I would say I take myself terribly seriously, though, like far too much sometimes, but uh, no, actually not far too much. I think, like, I get obsessed about an idea and then eventually it becomes a book, right? And I think there's something... um I wish more people would take their ideas seriously or take their... um I want to do this. I want to create this dance. I want to create a little movie. I just want to create this TikTok video. I think it's great. I think people need to follow through on their ideas, take it wildly seriously. You know, I, I take myself... Very seriously, but I also um, am very light about it, right, because i found it's just much easier that way if you don't, if you, you know, keep a sense of humor, for goodness sakes, and uh, things will come more easy. So, yes, I would say I never made that connection, but comedy and hypnotherapy are the same in the sense that... uh In a way, you're relaxing people, disarming people so that you can get the
1: message deep in there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) A surgery without anesthesia or with anesthesia, a little spoonful of sugar. And you mentioned TikTok. It does seem as though this democratic way of being able to express, you know, for more people, um, it does become, you know, that people, more people are involved with uh, the currency of creativity. Unthinkably, we're at our close. We just have a minute, you know, mm-hmm. left. And, and, you know, here you are. You've explored the shadow side. You've got the light side. You've really brought us full circle. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I hope that we'll hear from you again, because I feel as though we could continue this conversation um, again in terms of, um, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing next and your multifaceted. Um, way of looking at the world and are you positive about the way we're going forward? Do you think we have the potential to kind of save ourselves? You get 30 seconds on that one. (laughs) Oh, we absolutely do. Yeah, we
2: absolutely do. I can't, I don't have a crystal ball but I think each of us can only be responsible, you know, for what's happening to ourselves and then we take that love out into the community and I think yeah, I think if we all did
1: that, it'd be great. Yes, absolutely. You can reach Holly Shaw on the Performers and the Creators and Performers um, Lab dot com, or tell us again your website. Yeah, Performers and Creators
2: dot com, and I do have a Meet Your Shadow Self quiz. There's a self assessment on there. It's free and uh, that way people can discover which shadow self is running them right now, which is kind of fun. Totally.
1: Thank you, Holly Shaw. (laughs) Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and write your own story. Till next week, thank you for dropping in.
0: Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.